Awesome. Well, good morning, Medina East Campus. Man, it is so, so, so good to be back with you guys and uh, miss you the past couple of weeks as Clark has been preaching. He's done such a, a phenomenal job. And uh, man, since I saw you last time, since then, the Cavs have become national champions, which is like so awesome. Right, and I'm still, like many of you, I'm still living in shock of that. I know that many of you guys were part of the celebrations, and hopefully everyone's safe and everyone's doing well, but that is just so awesome. We're so excited about that. And I am excited to be back with you, especially because we're starting a brand new series today uh, that we are calling Grow. And I just want to tell you, by the way, that if you are a guest with us this morning, if this is your first time at the Medina East Campus, uh, thanks so much for being here. And uh, you actually came on a really, really awesome Sunday because we oftentimes say that the beginning of a new series is probably the best opportunity to kind of get acquainted with our church. And so if you're trying to kind of figure out what is Grace Church all about, what does this church kind of believe, what's their heart, and those type of things, uh, a new series is an awesome opportunity. And so I would actually encourage you and challenge you, if you would, if you are a guest with us, to just lock in for this series. If you're trying to figure out if Grace Church is the church for you, uh, just entertain being with us for the whole series. That'll give us a great chance to get to know you and, of course, for you to get to know us as well. So excited about it. Uh, let me tell you a little bit about the series that we're starting today called Grow. Like Clark said, this is going to be a, a series that's going to take us through the summer. And so this is kind of a summer series. And as you can probably imagine from the title of the series, what we're going to be talking about is we're going to be talking about spiritual growth. We're going to be talking about this idea. Maybe for some of you, it's like a very vague and general idea of spiritual growth. But our hope is to really add some specificity to that. And we really want to talk about uh, the importance of an instructions and how to uh, grow spiritually. So we're going to be doing this for the next several weeks. Our attack plan, sort of the way that we're going to be doing this, is we're going to be going through one book of the Bible. And the book of the Bible that we're going to be looking at together is actually a New Testament book. It is the book of Colossians. And the book of Colossians is such a phenomenal, phenomenal book of the Bible. Um, if, you, if you're not uh, acquainted with it, you, you will get acquainted with it over the weeks to come in the series. Uh, but the reason that we're looking at this, this, uh, this book of the Bible is because it is all about the importance of and instructions in how to grow spiritually. Colossians is all about growing. That's what it's about. The whole book is about growing. And, uh, and so as we will engage this book, um, the hope is that we will not only learn about how to grow spiritually, but by the end of this series, that all of us will have grown significantly um, as a result of this together. Now, this week is an introduction. So we're just kind of introducing the whole series to you. My hope is uh, to introduce you to the main thought that's going to be driving our series, to really talk about why are we talking about spiritual growth? growth? Why is this important? But I also want to introduce you to the book of Colossians, maybe give you some high-level information uh, that will help guide us in this series, okay? So without further ado, I want to encourage you, if you've got your Bibles, why don't we grab them right now and open up to Colossians chapter 1. So if you have a Bible, just go ahead and take it. Let's go to Colossians chapter 1. And uh, let me just say, too, if you did not bring a Bible with you this morning, that is no problem at all. We actually have some Bibles that should be available for you. And so you can take those black Bibles that are underneath the chairs um, in front of you or beneath you. And go ahead and turn to page 821, 821, so you're going to find Colossians chapter 1. And as always, I'll also just say that if you are a guest with us this morning and you don't own a Bible or you don't have a copy of the Bible, you can just go ahead and take one of ours. Okay, make that a gift from us to you. We think it's important that you have a Bible, all right? As you're flipping there, as you're finding Colossians, uh, let me tell you a, um, I don't know, a, a kind of humorous story. It's not that funny, but it's kind of funny. Um, so I remember, one of the things I remember real vividly uh, when I was a kid, is I remember my first day of school, my first day of kindergarten. I didn't do the whole preschool thing, so for me, the first day of school was, was on uh, was kindergarten when I first started. And the reason I remember it so vividly, I think, 
is not because I have such a great memory. I think it's because my grandpa recorded it with a camcorder. And so I literally have seen the first day of school dozens and dozens and dozens of times. But one of the things I remember about it, I remember the feeling I had. I remember the emotions that I had on that day. On my first day of school, I went in, I was real nervous. I was really, really scared. A new experience, new opportunity, um, a bunch of new people I never met, a new teacher, never had been to school before. And, and for me, uh, maybe some of you are like me, I'm naturally a little bit more of an introverted person. And so the idea of meeting new people and being in a new scenario is one that can kind of intimidate me a little bit. And so I was scared, but I try not to let on to anyone that I was. I try to act as tough as I possibly could. Now, the next part of this story, what happened later that day, I actually don't remember, but my mom tells me about this often, but I don't remember this, but apparently she says that there was a conversation that she and I had after uh, my first day of kindergarten. So I came home, I sat down at the kitchen table, and my mom says, she asked me, she said, so, you know, Tony, how was your first day of school? How'd you like school? And she, she told me, she said, I played it off like it was just no big deal at all. So I just told her, I was like, oh, you know, it was, it was a piece of cake. It was no problem, you know, totally nailed it, you know, school, got this whole education thing down, no problem. And so she said I just kind of acted like I was sort of tough and pretended like it was no big deal. And I was like, yeah, school was fine, it was good, I liked it, you know, it was cool, I guess, if you're into that kind of thing. And then my mom said that she asked a follow-up question. The follow-up question she asked me was this, she said, okay, she said, are you excited about going back tomorrow? And she says my face went pale, and my eyes got real big, and I looked at her, and I said, you mean I have to go back tomorrow? And, and she said, I, and I don't under, to this day, I still don't understand how that's possible, but for some reason in my five-year-old little mind, I don't know how this is possible because I have an older brother and I have an older sister who both were in school, but for some reason in my five-year-old little mind, I did not do the math and I did not figure out that school was more than just a one-time event. I guess somewhere in my thinking, I thought that education was an isolated incident where you went to school for one day and then after that, you would just go back to your life the way it was beforehand. And the reason that I was so terrified in that moment when my mom told me that was because I started to do the math and I started to realize that education wasn't just simply one isolated decision, that it was a process that would go on for the rest of my life. In fact, you guys know how it works. From kindergarten to first grade, eventually you graduate high school. Years later, you graduate high school. Then you go on, do your college work, do your post-grad work, and all those type of things. And what I didn't realize, what didn't dawn on me, was that education wasn't just an isolated experience, but that it was the beginning of an ongoing process that would actually go on uh, pretty much for the rest of my life. I, I don't even know if I'm done going to school still to this day, uh, still going through that process of education. Now, why do I tell you that story? Well, here's why I tell you that story. The reason I tell you that story is because I think for many, many people today, uh, there is a misunderstanding about Christianity that some of us have, that many people have, that sometimes people think about Christianity the same way that I thought about that first day of school when I was a kindergartner, all right? And here's what I mean. I think we live in a culture today, and I'm just speculating, I might be wrong, but I think we live in a culture today where probably, not, not, not most, but I would say the majority of people would probably say that they're Christians, that they at least are s somewhat Christian. I think if you asked, if you gave people a religious affiliation card and you said, would you check a box, tell me what you are, I think that by and large, many, 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 not, not everyone, not even everyone in this room, but I think many people would say, yeah, I'm a, I'm a Christian. But I think if you were to press people on that a little bit and you were to kind of dig in and you were to ask somebody, can you tell me a little bit about what that means? Okay, so you're a Christian, so tell me a little bit about what that means. I think what would happen is a lot of people would tell you, 
about a singular event that happened in their life. I think they would tell you about an isolated occurrence that happened sometime in their past. And so for example, if I went up to someone, I said, hey, you're a Christian, uh, tell me about that. So you're, what does it mean to be a Christian? I think some people would say, well, when I was 12, or when I was in youth group, or when, when I was a kid, or maybe when I was in my early 20s, when I was in college, right, there was, there was, a, there was an event that took place. It was something that happened. And so I was at a church thing, I was at a youth group event, and someone invited me to a thing. My parents sat down with me, you know, at my bedside. I was in college and I got invited to go to something. And then there was someone that was there. There was a pastor or there was a communicator or there was a youth pastor or there was a parent or there was a friend. And they told me about Jesus and they explained to me that I'm a sinner, I'm a sinner, and that, and that God is holy and that I am, because of that, that I am separated from God and there is an eternal consequence to that. And they told me that if I believe in Jesus, if I put my faith in Christ, that I will be saved, that I'll go to heaven off the promise of heaven forever and I won't go to hell. And so I made a decision. I had, there was an event that happened, right? I, I prayed a prayer. I went forward at an altar call. I, I signed something. I made a decision. There was a decision that was made. I think for many people, when you ask them, are you a Christian? And they said, yeah. And you say, well, tell me, what does that mean? I think a lot of people would look back and say there was an event there was an occasion, there was a day. Now, to some extent or another, that is true, isn't it? It is true. It is true that Christianity begins with a decision to embrace the person of Jesus Christ as God's rescue plan. It begins with an admission that I am a sinner and I need a savior and Jesus Christ is that savior. Christianity begins there. Now, here's the problem. The problem is that for many people, they think that Christianity is summarized in that. I made a choice. I, I'm not going to hell, I'm going to heaven. And so I made that decision, but now my life is really just gonna kind of go on like it always did. And so I have my fire insurance, I know, that I'm, I know that I have eternal salvation, maybe I'll kind of attend church every once in a while, but for the most part, my life before Jesus and my life after Jesus, there really isn't a whole lot that kind of changes because I'm sort of waiting for that decision to kick in one day when I kind of go to, go to heaven, right? Does that make sense? And, and listen, the, the, the that what we don't understand and what, what the Apostle Paul is going to show us in the book of Colossians is that, th that Christianity, though it includes that decision to follow Jesus, that is not the summarization of Christianity. That is the initiation of it. That just like my first day of school, that decision is the beginning of a very long process, a lifetime process that God intends for you and I. God doesn't intend that we come to know him and then go back to living the way we always did. He desires something more. He desires that we would grow. And I want, you, I want to show you this because this is exactly what the Apostle Paul has in mind in, in the introduction of the book of Colossians. Let's just take a look at this together. We'll read some of it and then I'll stop and explain as we go. So Colossians chapter 1, you guys have it in front of you. Let's look at verse 1. It says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and Timothy, our brother, to God's holy people in Colossae, the faithful brothers and sisters in Christ, grace and peace to you from God our Father. And we always thank God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ when we pray for you because we've heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all God's people. The faith and the love that spring from the hope stored up in you for, heaven, uh, for you in heaven and about which you have already heard in these, the true message of the gospel that has come to you. In the same way, the gospel is bearing fruit and it's growing through the whole world just as it has been doing among you since the day that you first heard and you truly understood God's grace. You learned it from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant who is a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf and who also told us of your love 
in the spirit. Okay, so let me just pause there because I know we just read a lot. And for some of you, while I was reading that, you, you just totally blanked out. So let me kind of explain uh, what just happened right there. Okay, so what you need to know about the book of Colossians is the book of Colossians is actually not a book. We call these books of the Bible. It's really not a book. It's actually an ancient letter. It's a letter that was written from a guy named Paul. Paul, as some of you might know, was uh, one of the most powerful and influential leaders in the early Christian movement. And so the Apostle Paul is writing this letter. Uh, we're going to find out in this series that Paul is writing this letter from jail. That he is in prison while he's writing this letter. And he is imprisoned because of his faith, because of his belief in Jesus Christ, and because of his desire to see the gospel and to see churches grow. He's put in prison in Rome. And we're told that he's writing this letter while he's in prison to a little town, a very, very um, kind of unimpressive town called Colossae. Now, now, here's the thing I want you to know, because we're going to learn a lot about Colossians and, and who the people were and what the city was in the series. But here's what I want you to know for our conversation today. The Apostle Paul is writing this letter to this church in Colossae, and he had literally never met them before. He had never met these people. Um, this church that existed there did not come about as a direct result of the Apostle Paul. It wasn't like Paul went to that city, you know, told them about Jesus and then planted a church. That's not what happened. But the Bible tells us that what happened is there was a guy named Epaphras, this guy that would have been one of Paul's colleagues. And Epaphras goes over to this city, this very kind of unassuming city, a place called Colossae. He tells people there about Jesus. He's like, you guys, Jesus died and he was buried and he rose again for your sins and he's God's plan of salvation. And those people made a decision. Those people said, we're gonna put our faith in Jesus Christ. We're gonna become Christians. We wanna have the hope of heaven. We don't want to be eternally separated from God in hell, and so we accept Christ, and now we want the hope of heaven in our lives, and they became Christians. And so the Apostle Paul heard about this, and he was like, oh, that's awesome. And he says, I got to write him a letter. And so he gets out his pen and his parchment, and he starts writing, and he says, listen, you guys, I don't know you, I don't know you, but I've heard about you, and I heard that you made a decision to follow Jesus, and I just want to say, I can't stop thanking God for that. I love it. I'm so proud of you guys. That is so awesome. And I'm in prison right now, but it's so encouraging to me because I heard of your newfound faith. You guys made a decision to follow Christ. That's awesome. And here's what I want you to catch. The Apostle Paul doesn't stop there. He doesn't stop and say, so it's awesome that you guys now have the hope of heaven and that you no longer have to be afraid of hell. So I'm really glad to hear that you're Christians. The end, the Apostle Paul. That's not what he says, right? No, no, no. This is the beginning. He's got a lot more to say. And what does he say? Well, check this out. I want you to notice what he says. In verse 9, he says this. He says, for this reason. For what reason, Paul? For what reason? For, for this reason. Because of your newfound faith. Because you made a choice. Because you made a decision to follow Jesus. Because you've surrendered your life to him. Because you have the hope of heaven now. And that's, that's now something that you have. It's for this reason. Since the day that we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. So apparently, the Apostle Paul has some other people with him. Because the Bible says, he says, from the day that Epaphras told us about you, we haven't stopped praying. We are praying all the time. For, we are praying and praying, and we have Colossians on the mind. We are praying, we are praying, we are praying. And what are they praying? Well, notice what he says. He says, we are continually asking God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every good way, in every way, bearing fruit in every good work and growing in the knowledge of God. And talk about a good prayer. Apostle Paul says, I've been praying for you ever since the moment I heard that decision. And do you notice the content of his prayer? He says, here's my prayer. My prayer is that you would grow in your knowledge of God. 
that you would grow in the knowledge of his will. And then he says, and then as you grow in your knowledge, my prayer is that you would then start to live a life that's worthy of God, that's worthy of the gospel. Pray, I'm praying that, that not only would you grow in your knowledge, but I'm praying that your life would change. And then he says, and then I pray that you would bear fruit in every good work. In other words, he says, I pray that your outward behavior would be transformed. I pray that as a result of the growth that takes place in your life, that other people's lives around you might be changed as a result of it. So in other words, I want you to catch this. Here's what the Apostle Paul just said. He said, I've been praying for you. You made a decision to follow Jesus. That's awesome. He says, that, that doesn't mean that we're finished. That means we're getting started. And he says, and here's what I'm praying for you now. I'm praying that you will know it, that you will live it, and that you will give it away. And by the way, that's a really catchy phrase. I think we should adopt that as a church. What do you guys say? It's pretty good. If you didn't know, that's actually our mission statement here as a church, is to know, live, and give away the gospel. It's exactly what the Apostle Paul is praying here. He says, my prayer for you, my prayer for you is now that you have made a decision to follow Christ, that you would grow in him now, that you would grow in your knowledge, that your life would change, and that you would begin to bear fruit as a result of it. And see, see this opens our eyes to this. It opens our eyes to the fact that when we come to know Christ, that Christianity is not simply a decision that we made that somehow secures eternal salvation. That is true, but that is not the summary of Christianity. That is the beginning of it because the Bible tells us, and here's what we're going to find in this series, all that to say this, God wants us to grow. God wants us to grow. Why are we doing this series? I'll tell you why we're doing this series. Because it is God's desire for us. Not just simply that we embrace Jesus Christ as Savior. And some of you are still investigating that. And that's cool. That's, that, that's fine if you're investigating that. I hope that you would. But, but listen, it's not just embracing Jesus as Savior. God's desire for us is that we grow spiritually. God wants us to grow. He doesn't just want us to, to come to know him and then our lives to not change. He doesn't want us to come to know him and then there's nothing that changes as a result of it. He wants us to grow, to look more like Christ, to be motivated more like Christ, for us to grow in our knowledge of God, for our life to be transformed and for us to bear fruit, to transform the lives of others who are around us. That's what God wants for us. Okay, now, now having said that, just laying that out, uh, I wanna now just talk, because this is an introduction, I now just wanna talk for the rest of the time that we have together about your spiritual growth, all right? So I wanna talk to each one of us, everyone in this room on a somewhat personal level. And I, I wanna ask questions and I wanna talk a little bit about your spiritual growth, okay? And now let me just talk first, I wanna talk first to those who follow Jesus. And so I know that not everyone in this room follows Jesus. Some of you are still investigating Christ. And if that's the case, I actually do have some things that I want you to consider too. And we'll talk about that here in a minute. But right now, I really just wanna talk to those who follow Christ. So if you are a follower of Jesus, if you're a person that would say, yeah, man, I've embraced Christ. He is my savior and I trust him. Okay, if that's you, I wanna talk to you. And, and, and here's what I wanna ask you, all right? If you're a follower of Jesus, the question I wanna ask you, and I want you to consider this, is how are, are you growing spiritually? Um, how, how is your growth going? That's the question I want you to think about right now. For some of you, when I ask that question, and tell me about your spiritual growth. How are you growing? Take an inventory. How are you in God right now? How's that going? For some of you, when I ask that question, if you were real honest, you might say to yourself, you know what? Honestly, I'm, I'm doing really great. Some of you might be saying, right now is a growth season. And I can't explain it to you. I mean, I'm not perfect. Nothing's, you know, I'm not a perfect person. And, and there's obviously always some stuff happening. But right now, I am growing leaps and bounds. 
For some of you, you're like, I have an insatiable desire to know God in a way I never have before. Some of you are like, my life is changing right now in ways that I've never experienced. Some of you right now are like, I cannot believe the things that God is doing in me and through me. And I'm just like, man, this is awesome, right? And let me just say, if that's the case, if you're a person that's in that place right now, man, we celebrate that. That is awesome that God is doing that in your life right now. And it is so cool to hear about how God is changing you and your life is changing. I just want to tell you, this series is for you. Because in this series, we're going to talk about, man, how do you continue to grow? How do you sustain that momentum in spiritual growth, the vitality and the energy that you're feeling in your spiritual life? Man, how does that continue? We're going to talk about that, all right? But honestly, I would say for many of us, maybe even for most of us, if I was to ask you, if you're a follower of Jesus, man, how, how's your spiritual growth going? Some of you might be like, you know what, dude, honestly, not great, not too great. Some of you might, some of you, even when I ask the question, you might think to yourself, I have not asked that, I have never asked myself that question about how I'm growing in my, in my faith and spirit. Some of you would say, honestly, um, right now, I feel kind of dry. I feel like, I feel like maybe I'm, I'm stunted in my growth. I feel like maybe I've stagnated in some way. Some of you would describe your relationship with God this morning as cold, dissonant. Some of you feel like maybe I'm, I'm, I'm slipping out of it. I, don't, I, don't, I feel like I'm in a fog spiritually. I can't really explain. For some of you, I asked you, tell me about, tell me about your spiritual growth. You might, you might tell me about a time in your life when there was great passion and great enthusiasm. And you might tell me about a time in your life when you, take a bi- when you took a big, bold step of faith or a time in your life when God was using you in powerful ways. But for some of you, those stories are outdated, man. Those stories are months old. Maybe even for some of us, they are years old, decades old. And we talk about, man, there was this time and it was awesome, but since then, I don't know, I've been drifting and my relationship with God is kind of, and, and I just want to, let me just talk about that for a minute because in this series, this series is for you. Because in this series, I want to talk about why does that happen? Why does that happen and how do we get out of that? How do we restore the vitality of growth and spiritual growth? That's what Colossians is going to teach us. And so, and so what I want to do, I actually just want to kind of talk about that a little bit. And I want to use an analogy, kind of an example, uh, uh, a little bit of an experiment that I was doing this past week at my house uh, to kind of talk about it with these, with these plants back here, right? And the illustration that I want to use is actually more of an expanding on the illustration the Apostle Paul uses. So in this passage, I don't know if you noticed, but when the Apostle Paul talks about spiritual growth, the analogy that he uses in this is an agricultural one. And so he says, I want you to grow in your faith and your knowledge and your life so that you will bear fruit, right? What is that? That's an agricultural analogy that the Apostle Paul is using to describe spiritual growth. And not only does the Apostle Paul use this analogy of organic growth to talk about spiritual growth, Jesus uses this analogy. The Old Testament uses this analogy. In the book of Jeremiah, we see the same analogy used as well. So I just want to expand on it a little bit. And what I want to talk about is if you're a person right now who would say, man, I'm not growing spiritually. I'm stagnated. I, I'm, I feel stifled. My relationship with God feels cold. It feels dissonant. It feels like things aren't quite what they used to be. I want to talk about how I believe that there are three reasons that that might be happening. Three reasons. Now, there's probably more than three, but for our time's sake, we're just going to talk about three. And I want to talk about this with illustrations. So here's the first one. The first reason that maybe right now you are not experiencing spiritual growth or you would say that you're stifled in your growth is something that I would call an elemental issue. Okay, an elemental issue. What in the world am I talking about when I say elemental issue? Well, I think as all of us know, as it relates to organic growth, 
uh, plant life. There are certain things, elements, that must be in place in order for growth to occur. And without them, growth cannot occur, right? So for, for example, plants have to have sunlight. Plants have to have water. There has to be nutrition. There has to be soil or some type of nutrition source in order for organic growth to take place. If you don't have those elements in place, then you're not going to be able to grow. And so uh, just for the sake of our uh, example, this week what I did is I went out to, the, uh, to Lowe's or Home Depot, I can't remember which one, and I bought uh, these tomato plants. Okay, so these are all tomato plants. And I decided that I was going to try doing some experimenting. So this, these first two plants, what I did was I uh, introduced some um, elemental issues into their lives. You can see all the plants aren't doing very well. Uh, by just, you could probably see that. But this first one in particular, let me tell you about it. And if you can't see it in the back, I'll put a picture of it. I took a picture of it yesterday. Here's a picture of it, okay? So this plant is a plant that I, um, I bought the tomato plant perfectly healthy when I got it. I, I got it, I put it in very nutrient-rich soil. I went and bought like that's the special bag of soil. And I put it in, in the nutrient-rich soil. I put it in a pot. I gave it plenty of water, watered it every day this week, this plant here. But the thing that I didn't do is I didn't put it in the sunlight. I left it in the dark all week. And as you can tell, because it was missing an element that was necessary for its growth, it's obviously withering. In fact, if I was to continue doing that for this whole week, this thing would be dead, right? And, and the reason is because it has an elemental issue. It has an element, there's something that it's missing for it to grow, for it to sustain life. This one, uh, the second one, I'll show you a picture of this one too. This one's really not doing well. And uh, this plant, what I did was I gave it plenty of sunlight, I gave it plenty of water, uh, but what I did with this one is I actually took all the soil out of it, and I replaced the soil uh, with crushed up Oreo cookies. And so, um, but not real Oreos, they're the generic Oreos. I, I didn't want to waste a good cookie. So I, I sat in my parking lot and I smashed up Oreo cookies, and then I put them in here and I planted it. And so this plant has been eating nothing but Oreos this week. And you can see that it's not doing too good. The plant's not doing too good. And what is it? It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's an elemental issue. It's lacking something that is necessary for its growth. This one ain't going to make it. There's just no chance. This one has a fighting chance. This one does not. And, and the reason it's not growing is because it's missing element. Now listen, what the Apostle Paul is going to tell us in Colossians, remember, Colossians, this is an introduction to Colossians, is, is he's going to tell us that in order for us to grow spiritually, God has designed that there are certain elements that necessarily have to be in place for us to grow. And if they are not in place, we will look like these plants. We will wither spiritually. We will lose our vitality within us spiritually because these things are lacking. So for example, let's give you, this is all, we're going to find all of this in the book of Colossians. One of the things we're going to find is that the book of Colossians is going to tell us that without an ever-increasing desire and an ongoing um, immersion in the word of God in the Bible, you can't grow spiritually. That like water is to the plant, the Bible is to the spiritual life. It, is the vit it gives us life. It gives us vitality. Some of us are saying, man, I feel so cold in my relationship with God. I feel so distant. I feel, like I, I feel like God drifts in and out of my mind all day, and I have to fight to try to keep him primary. Well, listen, if, if, all, if the only time you're opening your Bible is when we come here together in this room, well, there's a good reason for that. It, it's an elemental issue, right? The book of Colossians is going to tell us that one of the resources that God has given for our spiritual growth, a necessary resource, is biblical community. That we need the church, that we need biblical community, that God has put those things in place. And so if you're a person, you're like, man, I, I feel like there was a time when I was really energized in my walk with God, but now I feel like it's kind of distant and stale. Well, maybe for you, you're the Christian ninja. You slip in, you slip out. 
you have no deep, deep and meaningful relationships with other Christians, listen, I'm just telling you, it's not easy to get involved in biblical community, right? You have to be willing to get your hands dirty. All of us know that relationships are messy, but it is an essential element that God has put in place that is necessary for spiritual growth. And so if you're not connected to a life group, if you're not connected to biblical community in any way, if you don't have any friendships that are centered around the Lord, well, man, it's gonna, it's gonna hurt you because it is an elemental issue. It is a necessary thing that must be in place. You cannot grow spiritually the way that God desires without it, right? Um, one of the things the book of Colossians is gonna tell us is that one of the ways that we grow spiritually, a necessary element that needs to be in place is that for those of us who follow Jesus, that we use our spiritual gifts to serve God and to serve others. And so if you're in a place right now where you're not able to use the gifts that God has given you to serve others or to serve God, that is going to stifle you in your spiritual growth. The Bible's gonna tell us that regular time with God, spending time with God, fostering a relationship with God is like the sun to a plant. It is necessary for growth to take place. So for some of you, for some of us, the reason that maybe you're stifled in your growth, it could possibly be because there's an elemental issue. There is something that is lacking that God has designed and put in place for your growth that needs to be put in place. And if that's you, by the way, the series is for you. Uh, Colossians is really gonna give us some insight on that. There's a second issue, though, that I want to talk about. So you have environmental issues. Uh, I'm sorry, you have um, uh, elemental issues. The second is what I call environmental issues, environmental issues. And let me just talk about that for a minute. So for the sake of our conversation, I want you to think about it this way. Essential issues are the things that have to be, in, they are necessary to be in place for growth to take place, okay? Environmental issues are the things that need to be taken out in order for growth to take place, all right? As many of you know, if you wanna grow a plant, it has to have just the right environment. You have to make sure that there are certain things that are not there in order for growth to take place. So I'll give you an example, back to our little metaphor here. So this plant, this plant's got a great story. So this plant I bought, again, healthy tomato plant, planted it in nutrient-rich soil, watered it, gave it sunlight every single day. This plant had all of the elements, no elemental issue here. But what I did with this plant was I went into the woods behind my house and I pulled this weed and I planted it directly next to the tomato plant. And so all week when I was watering it and sunning it and all those type of things, um, this weed was growing alongside of the tomato plant. And as you can see, the weed has won um, so far. And so they're intermingled. It's choking out the tomato plant. In fact, the tomato plant is almost indistinguishable to where the weed actually starts and those type of things. Now, this is actually an analogy that Jesus gives. Some of you might remember this. In, in Matthew chapter 13, Jesus gives a agricultural analogy. He says, the gospel is like a seed. The message of the gospel is like a seed. He says, when it's planted in the soil of your heart, he said, eventually it grows and it bears fruit in your life. It's the same thing the apostle Paul is saying. But what Jesus said is, he said, for some people, the reason they're stifled in their growth is because the concerns of the world, is what Jesus says, these weeds will grow up and they will choke out your spiritual vibrancy, okay? So for our illustration's sake, for some of us, the reason right now you're not growing spiritually is because there are other things in your life, other concerns, other interests, other pursuits in your life that are competing for priority and attention that belongs to God, right? And that can be a lot of different things, but basically these weeds can be good things, they're, they're fine things, but they have become ultimate things. We have elevated them so high that they take all of our time and all of our attention and all of our affection. 
We find our identity in these things. We find, we find our uh, purpose in these things. And what happens is they steal away all of our energy and they choke out the spiritual growth that God desires for us, right? It could be a lot of different things, by the way. For some of us, maybe it's an inordinate focus on pursuing success within our career. Not that that's a bad thing. That's a totally fine thing. But when it's elevated to a God in our lives, that's where we find our identity and our purpose and our esteem and those type of things, it becomes a weed and it starts to choke out the nourishment and the life that's supposed to be given to our spiritual growth. For some of you right now, maybe you're single and, and for you, the, the, the thing that you are focused on the most is being in a relationship with someone. It has been ele- it's a fine thing to wanna be in a relationship, but it's been elevated to you to the place of God. It takes all of your time, all of your attention, all of your focus is spent on that. And Jesus would look and say, man, you have an environmental problem. You have an environmental problem. There are weeds that are growing up and they're stealing the nourishment and the attention and the affection that belongs to Jesus. And so for some of us, if we were to talk about our spiritual life, for us, honestly, it's we're distracted because there's weeds in our life. There's these things that are popping up that are stealing attention and priority and affection from where it needs to be primarily placed, which is in the Lord. This, this next one, I love this one. This is actually one of my favorite ones. This poor plant, look at how sad it is. And, uh, but this one, I'll tell you what I did. I gave this one Plenty of sunlight, plenty of sunlight. Gave it plenty of water, watered it every single day. Um, I put it in nutrient-rich soil, perfect soil. But the only thing I did was every day, I just added just a little bit of gasoline. I mean, it's just, it's just a little bit though. It's like a, maybe like an ounce, maybe like a teaspoon of gasoline every single day. And this plant, I'm just telling you, this is the plant where my neighbors think I'm crazy now. Because every day they would see me walk outside with a watering can and a gas can. And I would water some of them, and I put gas in one of them, and then I would eat cookies out of another one. <laughs> it's, just, you know, it's crazy, right? But uh, but but for our illustration, okay. So the weed, the weed is like these are like good things that have become ultimate things. Gasoline is is like this is a toxic thing, okay. This is, this, is, this is a death sentence is what it is. And, and, and what that represents for us is, maybe for some of you, the reason you're not growing spiritually is because you currently have unconfessed sin in your life. Now, let me just be real clear on this. All of us sin. Every one of us, every single one of us are gonna fall short of God's standard. We're gonna struggle and wrestle with sin. But here's what the Bible says about unconfessed sin. Unconfessed habitual sin hidden in the darkness. I keep going back to it over and over again. The Bible says that's poison to you. Like gas is to this plant, unconfessed sin is to your spiritual growth. It'll kill you. That's why James says, James says this, he says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other that you might be healed. Why does he say that? Oh, because, because, spirit, because unconfessed sin is a disease. And it will, it will destroy you from the inside out. This is why uh, David, the psalmist in Psalm 32 says, when I did not confess my sin, when I was silent, my bones wasted away within me. He says, my energy was sapped from me. What's he talking about? He's saying, man, unconfessed sin causes us to wither. It, it steals away spiritual vibrancy. It is toxic to us. And so then in that same Psalm, David says, when I confess my sin, I was forgiven and God renewed my energy and he renewed my strength and he brought vitality right back to me. And so for some of you, this might be your problem. For some of you, you're like, man, it's, it's been so long since I've grown spiritually. I remember a time, I remember a time when I had a passion for Jesus. I remember a time when I loved him and when I was growing and then it's like it went stale and it went cold and 
For some of you, it's because you've let unconfessed sin master your heart. See, for some of you, the problem is you got gas, right? <laughs> and, and, and I don't know what your gas is. I don't know what it is. But, but for some of us, that's what we're, we're dealing with. And so there's, there's elemental problems. Um, you have environmental issues and reasons that we don't grow. There's one more classification I want to talk about, and this one's going to require a little more explaining, but this is what I call an essential issue. Essential issue. What do I mean by that? Essential issue. Well, you guys know what um, the essence, what, what essential means, the word essential, right? The essential means the essence of something. It means this is the irreducible minimum. This is what it is at its very core, right? And so I want you to think about this with me. What is the essence of a tomato plant? Well, the essence of a tomato plant, what makes a tomato plant a tomato plant is its DNA. It's the seed, right? And if you have no seed and you have no DNA, you have no plant. It doesn't matter what you do. You're not going to have a plant if you don't have a tomato seed. If you don't have the essence of it, you're not going to have the actual plant itself. So let me just talk about this next one. This one, I uh, put nutrient-rich soil in. I put it in plenty of sunlight. I watered this every day. Again, my neighbors think I'm crazy. I watered this every day, but this whole week, nothing has happened. There's been absolutely no growth. And you know why that is? There's no plant in it. There's no tomato plant in here. I took the plant out. There is no DNA. There is no seed. There never was a seed in this. And so because of that, you have no plant. It doesn't matter how much I water it. It doesn't matter how much I, I give it sunlight. It doesn't matter how many things I put in place. To, it doesn't matter if I weed around it. It doesn't matter if I don't put gasoline in it. It doesn't matter because nothing is going to happen because it doesn't have the essential things that are It doesn't have the seed, the DNA of a tomato plant. Now, now here, here's particularly where I want to talk specifically to, uh, the, to the person that's investigating Jesus, okay? And so I've been talking to those who follow Christ. If you're a person that's investigating Jesus this morning, here's what you need to know about spiritual growth according to the Bible. Uh, there is a lot of focus right now in our culture that's put on the importance of spirituality and spiritual growth in a very vague and general way. And so, for example, you'll probably hear people, many counselors, life coaches, um, TED Talks, those type of things, they'll tell you about the importance of spirituality. You need to be a spiritual person. Spiritual, spirituality is going to add fullness to your life. You're going to become a more holistic person if you embrace spirituality and you embrace religion. And so for some of you, quite honestly, maybe the reason that you're here today and you're investigating Jesus is because you're, you're trying to get a, a, become a pretty well-balanced person. And so you're like, I want to put some religion in my life. I want to become more holistic. I think spirituality is a good thing, and I want to have that in place. Now, here's what you need to know, and I just, I just want to be real, real honest with you about what the Bible teaches about spiritual growth. The Bible teaches us that spiritual growth, the way that God desires it for us, is actually an impossibility, aside from, from a, um, an embracing of, a recognition of, and an acceptance of the gospel. The gospel is the seed by which Christianity grows. Without Christianity, or without the gospel, you don't have authentic Christianity. You can't. You cannot have the spiritual growth that God desires if you don't have the DNA of the gospel, that Jesus Christ died, was buried for our sins, that he rose. You see, for some of you, you might be thinking to yourself, listen, I, I like this whole, I, I'm not a Christian, I'm still trying to figure out all this stuff. I like some of the things Jesus taught. I like the morality some of you might be thinking, but I can't really accept the whole resurrection thing, and I can't really accept the whole I'm a sinner that needs a savior kind of thing. And I'm just telling you, if that's the case, then, then, then you're lacking the gospel. 
and it's impossible for you to grow spiritually without it. In fact, I want you to notice, if you just glance with me back down at verses five and six here, just, just look at them again. Notice the verbiage the Apostle Paul uses. This is incredible. He says, talking about the Colossians and their newfound faith, he says, the faith that you have and the love that spring from the hope stored up for you in heaven about which you have already heard about the true message of the gospel that has come to you. In the same way, the gospel is bearing fruit and it's growing in the whole world just as it has been doing among you since the day that you first heard and that you truly understood God's grace. Do you hear what he says? Do you guys notice his terminology? He says, your faith is springing from the gospel and the gospel is growing. And it's, and it's bearing fruit. And what he's saying is, is that the, the essence of Christianity is all about this message of the gospel. And without it, you can't have genuine Christianity. It's just not possible. And so, listen, if you're a person that's investigating Christ, if you're a person that's investigating Jesus, I want you to know this series is for you. It is for you. And if what I just said just sounds so confusing to you and so perplexing to you, where you're like, what do you mean I have to have the gospel to grow spiritually? What are you talking about? You have to come back. Because in the next couple of weeks, we want to unpack exactly what that means. It is so unbelievably important, right? Listen, Christianity without the gospel is not only exhausting, it's impossible. It is impossible. Christianity is not about behavior modification. I just want to be super clear. It's not about clean up and get your act together and be a more moral person. That is not what Christianity is about. Christianity is about transformation. It's about the gospel taking root in our hearts and growing into fruit in our lives. And that is an organic process. It can't happen synthetically at all. You can't manufacture that with muscle power. It's something that comes to the Holy Spirit. Okay, one other plant, one other plant that we want to mention up here. And this, uh, this is the final plant. And as you can see, this is by far just the most healthy and beautiful plant of them all, it looks like it, right? And you have green, luscious leaves and beautiful tomatoes that look like they're, it's bearing fruit, right? And for many of us, we look at that and we think to ourselves, that's it. That's it right there, right? That's, that's what, what the Apostle Paul is talking about, the Christian life. He wants us to grow, be healthy. He wants us to bear fruit. I want to tell you something about this plant real quick, and, um, and that's this, that of all of the plants that are on this table right now, the one that scares me the most and the one I think is the most dangerous, honestly, is this one right here. And the reason is because this plant right here will never grow, never. This plant right here, it will never multiply itself into other tomato plants. It will never be fruitful, totally, right? Uh, this plant right here is never going to have an elemental issue because it doesn't need the elements. It doesn't need the sun, it doesn't need the water, it doesn't need the soil. This plant's never gonna have an environmental issue. It doesn't matter what happens around it. There's nothing that's gonna change this plant. And I'm sure you can probably guess why. Can you guess why? Can you guess why? Because it's fake, right? This is a fake tomato plant. And so when I watered this and gave it sun, my neighbors thought I was insane because it's not a real plant, right? But listen, listen, I need to, I need to just tell you something. This is a plastic plant. It is plastic that has been formed in such a way that it has the outward appearance of a tomato plant, and it looks pretty convincing, but it is not a tomato plant. It's just not, right? And listen, he here's why I think that this one is so dangerous and this one is so scary. is because the Bible tells us that this is actually a, a classification of why spiritual growth doesn't happen. This is a real thing that can really happen. And, and this, is, this is something that can take place, right? And so, th for me, the reason that these are so dangerous is because the difference, organically, between this one and this one, organically speaking, is nothing. 
They both have an essential issue. They're both missing the DNA of a tomato plant. The only difference is this one has the outward appearance and it can fool everyone in thinking that it's something that it is not. And, and listen, here's what the Bible tells us. The Bible says that it is possible to have religion that is a form of godliness but lacks power. I call this, I call this one gospelless religion. This is religion without the gospel. This is, the, this is religion that's motivated by morality. This is religion that's motivated by um, competition. This is religion that is somehow motivated by piety, that I am, I am a morally upstanding person. And this is unbelievably dangerous because everyone else and yourself will be tricked into thinking that you have the real deal when in reality you have a fraud. It's fake. And listen, this is a real category. I'm not trying to say this to unnecessarily scare you, but some of you might know the Bible talks about this. Jesus actually says in one passage, he says, look, not everyone that comes to me and says, Lord, Lord, will enter into eternity with me. He says, there's going to be some that come to me and they're going to say, Lord, Lord, and I'll say to them, I never knew you. Away from me and depart. That's, that's, this, that's this terrifying passage. It's another passage when Jesus looks at the Pharisees. You guys know the Pharisees? They were the professional religious people. These guys outwardly had it going on better than anyone. Remember what Jesus said to them? He said, you guys are like whitewashed tombs. On the outside, you look so awesome, and you have it all together, but on the inside, you're dead. What he's saying is, you're like this fake tomato plant. On the outside, you got everyone fooled. You are the best looking of all of them, and yet inwardly, you're lacking what's needed the most. And that is the, God, the message of the gospel, the gospel of Jesus Christ, the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. Now listen, I know that the moment that I say that, for some of you, that might instantly terrify you. Because you might be thinking, uh-oh, Am I that, am I the last one? Is that me? And, and listen, I'm not, please hear me. I'm not trying to say that to scare you at all. But there is a reality. That the Bible teaches about this. Let me just ask you a couple of questions just to kind of search your heart about this plant in particular. Here's one of them. In your religious activities, okay, so you're going to church, you're reading of the Bible, you're whatever, what is it deep down that motivates that for you? Why are you here? What, motiv what motivates you to be here? For some of you, you're like, well, I don't know. I just kind of always went, this is kind of what we always do. If I grew up in a Christian family and we just, we believe in Jesus. It's what we do. If I asked you, man, tell me about how Christ has changed your life. You'd be like, well, I don't know. You know, I've just kind of always been a Christian. It's kind of the way it always has been. And if I asked you, tell me about what motivates the things that you do spiritually, you might say, well, it's kind of duty, responsibility, obligation, and those type of things. And don't get me wrong. I'm not saying any of us have perfect motivation. None of us have perfect motivation. But what I am saying is this is if, if what motivates you to follow Jesus and do these things, if that's not at its core a response for what Jesus Christ has done for you in the gospel, that, that, then listen, it, it, you, might be dealing, you might be dealing with gospelless religion. And gospelless religion, listen, it is exhausting. It is tiring. There's no real power and real strength in it. And, and it's... Um, it's not what God has in mind. Here's, here's a second question for you. Um, when you do spiritual things, religious things, spiritual things, do you only do those things when there is an audience nearby? All right? Jesus actually tells us about this. He says that, um, that for the Pharisees, for example, that they love to pray where there's people, where they can impress people. They only do religious, spiritual things when there's other people that are nearby as a way of impressing, kind of impressing them. Jesus says the true mark of a relationship with Jesus is what you do when you're by yourself. What do you do when you're by yourself? Is there any relationship with God that, that shows up in the private places of your life? 
And if, they're not, if there isn't, I'm just saying that, that might be a concern. It might be something to be thinking about with this. Here, here's the last question I have for you. For some of you right now, maybe you're in this boat. You've been listening to this whole conversation. We've been talking about spiritual growth. I've told you God wants us to grow, man. God wants us to grow. God wants us to grow. You're like, that's neat. And I've talked about all these things. And you're like, yeah, I can identify with a few of those things. But for some of you, you might be thinking this. You might be saying, well, that's neat and good and all. But I don't really want to grow. I don't really care, right? And, and yeah, I'm, I'm good with the whole Jesus thing. Like I accepted Christ and I'm really great with the get out of hell free card. Like I appreciate that. I'm great with going to heaven and those things. But all this talk about growing spiritually and, and becoming more like Jesus and all that kind of, I just think I'm good. I'm good. I'm, I think I'm like Christian enough. I don't think I want to go any further with this. I, I think I'm pretty much set where I am right now. Let me just, let me just tell you this. That's not a good thing. That's a really, really scary thing. And, and, and I'm not, again, I'm not telling it to scare you, but I just, I just, I'm just saying, I wouldn't be doing you any favors if I told you that that was fine. Because biblically, it's just not. It's not, it's not what God intends for us. And I just know, listen, I just know that sometimes soft words produce hard hearts. And sometimes hard words help soften our hearts. And I'm just trying to say that if you're like, I don't even care about growing, I don't even want to grow spiritually, and you are a follower of Jesus, that is a really bad sign, a really bad sign. And it might be a sign that what you might be dealing with is a gospel-less religion. Because one thing that the gospel does when it's placed in the right environment and when it has the right elements is it grows. It grows. You can't stop it from growing. And one of the ways that you know the gospel is in you is because it grows. It grows. So bottom line is this. Bottom line is God wants us to grow. And the question I want you to think about as we jump into this series is what's holding you back? What's keeping you from the next places that God wants to take you? Because the life that God wants us to live is where true fulfillment and where true joy is found. That's what God wants for us. And so what's holding you back? One last thing I want to challenge you with as we all decide to grow together in this series. Uh, Clark mentioned these journals, these grow journals that we have available. I just want to talk for a second about these. Um, these journals are really designed to kind of be a, um, they're designed to be sort of a book that works in association with the series. And so as we try to grow together, um, each day in this journal, for each day in this series, there is a scripture reading with questions attached to it. And the hope is that maybe you would go through those and that every day you would spend 10 to 15 minutes in the Bible with God, uh, thinking things through spiritually. The passages that are assigned to every single day, by the way, go along with the series. So they kind of accompany what we're talking about. So the hope is that this is just one big conversation that we can be having over the course of the next several weeks together. The other thing that's in this journal is something we call a Discipleship Connect. Basically what that is, is we're, we're challenging everyone in, this, in the church who's, whether you're a believer or not a believer, anyone, we're challenging you that, man, if you're, if you're willing to take this challenge, grab somebody, uh, grab a friend, uh, grab the person that brought you to church, grab your wife, grab a child, preferably your child, uh, grab uh, someone from your life group. Um, if you're not in a life group, get in a life group and then grab somebody. Uh, don't quote me what I just said right there. And then take this 
and go through this with them. Each week, there is a, what we call a discipleship connect. There's a set of questions to process through with a person, maybe over a cup of coffee or something like that. I just want to challenge you to do that. Now, again, uh, like we said, these are, uh, Clark said, these are five bucks each. At the, there, you can do crash, cash or credit out there. But I do want to say, just, let, just to be clear on this, we're not gaining any profit off of these at all. That's just to cover cost. In fact, we're losing money on them. Uh, but there is a um, limited amount of these. And so I would encourage you afterwards, you can go check out the Welcome Center. You can grab your copy. But this is a challenge. It's a way that, man, even if you're on vacation and, and you're not able to be at church on a couple weeks or whatever, this is a great opportunity for us to continue to grow together even during this series and during the summer schedule, all right? So God wants us to grow. God wants us to grow. So you guys ready to grow? So we're gonna be doing in the next couple of weeks together as we enter into this series. Let's pray. Well, Father, I just wanna say thank you so much for your word to us this morning, God, and uh, it's so life-giving. And I, I just think about the Apostle Paul, God, who says, man, I'm so excited about your faith. I'm so excited that, that you've embraced Christ, but now it's time to grow. It's time to grow to grow in our knowledge, to, for our lives to change, for us to bear fruit. And so, Father, I pray as we enter into this series that, God, you would just help us, just be with us, God. And I pray that you would, uh, even in this moment, Holy Spirit, you would just speak to each one of us. All of us have a different set of issues that are going on in our heart as it relates to our relationship with you. And God, I don't know those. You know that intimately. And I pray that in this moment, even in these these, these, these small moments that we have right now, Father, just that you would speak to us. But I pray that you would give us a desire in our heart to grow, to know you more, God, to see our lives look more like yours, to bear fruit, to help other people know and love you, God. And so I pray, Jesus, as we go through this series, that you would give us strength, endurance. But I pray that you would speak to us directly through this series. And God, I pray as we go from this place that you would encourage us, Lord. Give us a vibrancy, a desire to just, to just grow and to see you work in our lives in new ways. And for the person, God, who just maybe feels dissonant, detached from you, spiritual vitality, God, is gone. It's been years. It's been months. It's been a long time since they've felt that. Lord, I pray you'd wake them up. Pray you'd wake them up. Lord, if there's an, if there's an elemental issue, if there's an environmental issue, if there's an essential issue, I pray you get their attention. Help them not to just walk out of this place and continue going on like nothing changed. But Father, I pray that action would happen as a result of it. Give us courage. It's gonna take courage to grow. We have to be willing to get our hands dirty. We have to be willing to open up, to be in relationships and to be transparent. God, it's terrifying, it's terrifying. But Jesus, we know that the benefit is so insurmountable and so... I pray you'd help us just to embrace the life that you want for us and the life that you want for our church. Help us not to miss it. We want to ask these things in Christ's name. Amen.